welcome to the Rhonda Conger Show. It's a thing. You have to know that I'm so glad you're here. Grab a pen and paper. I'm here to fill your tank. Let's go. Oh boy, wait till you hear about this next guest. I am so excited about this podcast today. A good friend of mine who I've gotten to know over the last couple of years. I'm a huge fan. Get ready for this. So Jason Coombs is a person in long-time recovery and the founder and CEO of the nationally accredited Brickhouse Recovery. He earned a Master of Professional Communications degree and has a deep passion for recovery. In fact, he is the author of the new release book, Unhooked, How to Help an Addicted Loved One Recover. Can I tell you that I got a pre-release copy of this? I read it. I devoured it. I don't care if you think that addiction isn't for you or you don't know any whatever. The book is riveting and a must read. I love, 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 loved it. Okay, sorry. Focus. Uh, He is a professional TED Talk speaker, consultant, and leadership expert. He serves on the Meridian Anti-Drug Coalition. Okay, that's a hard word. Coalition? Coalition. Coalition. There it is. Thank you for, you know my squad here, drug-free Idaho, and works closely with the Institute for Addiction Study. Currently, Jason serves on the Idaho Conference on Alcohol and Drug Dependence Board. Not only that, Joseph and Mary. Uh, he loves the outdoors as an Ironman 70.3 finisher. Wow. Did you hear all the wows in the background? Wow. With his two brothers. Jason and his wife enjoy living in a small town outside of Boise. Come on, small town. Uh, with their twin toddlers. Oh my goodness, I remember when you had the twins. Wow. Uh, I love, love, love. So please welcome Jason. Thanks. <laughs> Thanks for having me. I just can't even stand myself. I'm so excited that you're here. I'm excited to be here. I uh, The small town is Star, so that's oh, still... Oh, okay, you I, can say that. We're okay. And I know you guys are, are building there and beautiful homes, by the way. Thank you. Yeah. Thank you. So here's what, uh, first things first, you have to know when I met Jason, it was actually at Kevin Hall, the author of Aspire. As you all know, one of my favorite books. If you don't, go get that one. And then you'll obviously you're going to get Jason's book, Unhooked, next. Uh, met him at a Genshai event, which was just amazing. And then saw you again, was able to hear you speak about basically this topic. And Oh my gosh, brought down the house. Amazing. And then, of course, you send me this book. I read the book. And and like I said, uh, to me, your story is amazing. So can you give us kind of the cliff note version of your story so that the, you know, the listeners can get with us quickly? Oh, yeah, absolutely. Yeah, the the genesis of of, uh, what I've walked through was surprising to me because I, I never thought that I would after a car accident, go to a doctor that would be running Utah's largest Oxycontin drug ring, which resulted in a severe opiate addiction. Uh, Beyond that, a lot of felony charges came my way. Um, I spent the better part of 2006 behind bars, multiple rounds of treatment. There were five five separate rehabs that I went through and, um, and failed. I was uh, addicted to most substances that were um, that were available, you know, crack cocaine, heroin, and uh, alcohol, anything else I could get my hands on. So it got really bad really fast in a matter of a few years. And uh, through that process, I lost everything, and I was I was living homeless on the streets of Salt Lake. Um, and part of my story is I always get asked what turned it around, and what turned it around is I. I found out this was post divorce. This was when I was just 
out there on the streets, um, in and out of jail, just really, really struggling. Um, I found out that I was going to be a dad. And when my son was born, um, he spent a week in the hospital struggling to breathe uh, because of the health effects that uh, that his, you know, I, I couldn't help but to think that it was my, my fault because of that. But um, as he fought for his life and I watched him um, in the hospital struggle to breathe for an entire week uh, through the window, he inspired me to fight for my own life. And through that uh, experience, um, made the decision to place him up for adoption a week after that. And, <clears throat> and I made him a promise that I was going to turn my life around for him. And although I didn't make the shift immediately, because there's this process for change that we could talk about uh, if there's time, but, and, and it's definitely in the book, so if, if you want to go there. But yeah, the, uh, the change began to happen, and, and ultimately what, what got me to where I'm at today, like the really short, condensed version, is right after my fifth treatment center, um, I went out and got a job working at a hot dog stand, and I was only making $6 an hour. A college graduate, I was humiliated. I'm sitting behind this grill with a white T-shirt, mustard stain on it, um, cooking hot dogs for a living. And um, people I know are walking into this hardware store looking at me. You know, it's just really um, kind of a low part of my life. And one customer walked up to me and asked me um, how my day was. And one thing about people in early recovery is we tend to overshare. We'll kind of give too many details. And and so I said, oh, yeah, my my day's great. I'm 72 days sober. I just got out of my fifth rehab. I was homeless. I was divorced. You know, I just give him my whole story. And he's looking at me like, dude, I just wanted a hot dog. I just wanted (laughs) mustard and maybe a little bit of relish. (laughs) I was just being nice. Okay. But, um... You know, what was really interesting about that moment with that customer is that the result was different because he started asking me questions because he had a son who was struggling. And we talked for a long time at that grill. And that it was in that moment that I realized that everything I had gone through with my chemical dependency and all the rehabs and loss and jails and divorce and my son's adoption um, was useful. Like I could, I could offer something that it's really hard to find. Yeah. Like if you Google information about addiction help, you get a mixed bag of opinions and yeah. people trying to sell you stuff. And so, I felt like I was in a place where I could offer some help, and that launched me on this journey of okay, I'm going to come up with all the best advice and experiences from my parents, from my ex-wife, from my uh, families that are calling me, asking for help, and I'm going to just condense this message and write it down. And it took 10 years to gather all of this information, and I put it into Unhooked, How to Help an Addicted Loved One Recover. And uh, the feedback I'm I'm getting is that people's lives are changing, and they're learning how to help the right way. I will tell you, I ate the book up. Like I said, I read it in one night, one sitting, couldn't get enough of it. Uh, At the end, you know, as we were just listening to Jason's story, I literally was like, does anyone need tissues? Are we okay? Mm -hmm. Uh, At the same time, I would tell you, at the end of the book, uh, Jason's mother tells her 
side of the story and that brought the house down like I was done I it was it was amazing and just soul to take your soul and your heart and to hear everything she said was just amazing so I love that you brought in that aspect you know I think some people are like Rhonda, why is this person on your podcast? And I would tell to some degree, right? I don't deal with addiction and recovery and all of that. I think probably everyone does some form or fashion. I would tell you, right, that you either know someone. I guarantee you I know people, right? So it's around you. So you definitely need this message, in my opinion. I think also, Jason, in getting to know you through the years and then able to read your book and even learn more about you, in my opinion, that you are definitely on the hunt to be a better human, right? Maybe it took you a little, maybe you had a few, <laughs> I was going to say dips, but let's just like, <laughs> let's call it dips. Yeah. That's Niagara Falls. That's I don't a know. Nice, like, <laughs> a nice way right? Like along the way, but right now who you've become and what you've done, you know, yes, through unhooked, but also through brick house recovery. And then you then take it to your relationships, you know, with your wife and, you know, your children, I mean, and your family. I mean, to me, you are absolutely the, the epitome of on the hunt to be a better human. Oh, thank you. Thank you for that compliment. I think when everything is stripped away and all of your attachments are gone, and you're left with yourself and your empty soul, like where I was, um, in the pursuit of rebuilding myself, I took everything, I was so grateful for every little thing. Every act of kindness was like, it just filled my soul back up. Um, Every time I got a hug, like that's one thing that we totally align on is hugs helped me transcend like feeling love when I felt like I was when I felt like I was unlovable and to get I probably received way more than eight hugs a day yes (laughs) you know what he's referring to right way more than eight (laughs) hugs a day I was I was hugged constantly in those rooms of recovery and uh, I learned how to love myself and gratitude. Like you talk a lot about gratitude and better human in, in all your writings. And to be, be grateful for like the littlest things, like for every little meal that I was able to pay for and to fill my tank up with gas, I began to be grateful for that. Like my parents inviting me over for dinner again after the, the whole like fallout yeah. was huge whereas before I took all that for granted right the smallest of things I think you know when you talk about I love that you talk about rebuilding yourself because I firmly believe that we are all in the middle of building ourselves either rebuild right like rebuilding building and so I think the word that goes with that and you talk about it in your book which of course you just fill my heart is hope like you need that hope and I think sometimes those hugs and the gratitude kind of keep that front and center and help you realize that there is it, it you're going to make this, right? You're, you're going to do it. And, and to me, you are absolutely proof of it. What do you feel like, um, so let, let's talk about it really quick. If, if you have family members and friends who have addictions, what would you tell them right now? Like, I'd say get my book. No, <laughs> <laughs> no. I would. Well, I... no, no, that's, I absolutely, because I, you know, I think you said something earlier and I completely agree with you is that 
I've had people ask me in the past, um, you know, I have a family member that has addiction. I don't even know what to do or where to go. And so I think that's, that's a real thing. And I think that it is hard out there. And I think what makes your book so special, well, one, you. So first you have to know this man, his energy, his light. I mean, you have a light, you have an energy. I'll be honest with you. When we first heard you speak, I was like, he didn't have any of this right like he's just delicious like right like it just didn't I to be honest right I mean I look at this and I think well obviously maybe that's why you are such a light now I mean you you shine this big light in my opinion personality is it who you are at the same time though it's kind of like I think this is real and your story and how honest and vulnerable you were with this book I think will make will just relate with a lot of people which I think will, will absolutely agree, hands down, the first thing you need to do is buy Unhooked, and now what? Yeah, yeah. and to answer your question, um, the process is very similar. It's stripping away the, um, the current approach or the current reactions to an addicted loved one's behavior and, and reconsidering a brand new approach, an approach that's going to build alignment and going to create an unconditional uh, love where there's rapport. Because if you don't have rapport, like you talk about this in Better Human with your kids and hugging them every day, you know, no matter, like if you're going to lock horns the with them, yeah, <laughs> it doesn't help to lock horns with a teenager, but it does help if you you just hug them. And it's it's very much in that same context where we've got to take a different repro- approach with those that are addicted and build an alignment and and a rapport through empathy and through uh, communication and the first thing that my parents did was they had to get clear on what where they end and where I began because it was all enmeshed and and that creates a lot of pain and that creates a lot of confusion and the questions I get like I run a family program um, every single week and last night I was with these family members until you know nine ten o'clock and the questions that they were at asking me last night were was that very question and they're all in pain they all have fear what they want to feel is safety they want to feel like they're communicating the right way they want to do better with their reactions they want to be free of resentment they want to be free of um, feeling handcuffed to the addiction because some of them aren't traveling anymore some of them aren't pursuing their own dreams anymore they're just tied to this addicted person Riding this crazy roller coaster, and so my, my parents learned uh, in, the, in the very beginning, their counselor told them that it's like Jason's out in the middle of the lake dropping these big boulders in the water with every addictive behavior. And by the time those ripples arrive to the shore, they've gained size to tsunami uh, force. And you guys are standing on the beach yelling at him, saying, Hey, stop Come using, <laughs> just change your life. And I'm out there without a care in the world, not listening to them. I can't even hear them. Dropping these boulders. And they're getting pummeled by these tsunami waves and all the ripple effect of the addiction. And so the counselor said, get off the beach, Jana and Doug. Like, get to higher ground. You don't have to stand there. That's yeah. not the place where you're most effective. In fact, the, the further up you move, the more you're going to protect yourself and you're going to get yourselves in a better position to influence and so the first thing they did was create these really solid boundaries and uh, allow me my pain 
so that I could experience my own internal motivation to start to change. And you could heal yourself because they can't heal you. Yeah, they can, they can only influence. They, they can, can influence, contribute. but they can't. And I think, don't you feel like parents' natural reaction is we're just going to fix this. We're going to throw money at it. We're going to throw time, our resources. And that's not always the answer, right? That right. I think I wrote, I took from the book and I love um, the four C's. And so it really hit me hard when you said, um, you did not cause the addiction. You cannot control the addiction. You cannot cure the addiction. You can, however, contribute to the addiction or to recovery, it's up to you which camp you want to be in. Exactly. And do you say that with the which camp? Is it because, does, do, or do some people, are you saying it in the fact that some people are actually um, contributing to the addiction versus the, rec- the recovery side? I think most of us start off in that camp of contributing to the illness because it's our natural reaction to rescue and to um, save them. And in that process, we begin to control the other person's life and we begin to like take over finances and we begin to give them lists of things they need to do each day and they need to report back and where are you you're late are you out drinking and then there's lies and then it's this detective work and it just turns into this mess right and and it just drives a wedge it becomes not a relationship of rapport it becomes more of like a probation officer type relationship and so and that's just that just happens to great people when they're in this situation. And so the whole pivot to a healthier way is recognizing where you end and where others begin and begin that process of dancing and not wrestling, rolling with resistance, um, setting up strong fences because strong fences make great neighbors, um, and and applying these principles that will actually move the addicted loved one through the stages of change and identifying what stage they're in and what tactics to use in that stage. Because if they're not ready to change, there's a different set of tactics than if they are getting ready to change. Or if they're ready to change, there's totally different like an approach for and communication style when they're in each stage along the way. And we all go through those stages. If you're trying to quit sugar, if you're trying to get muster up the motivation to go to the gym you've hit a, you've had a really good note tara and i are trying to give up sugar right now oh, you should it's so good i did it four years ago and you did well now you're october just 12th off, it'll be four years yeah because that's another face of my illness like i am totally a sugar addict i'm a compulsive overeater i have no shame saying it i've been a part of overeaters anonymous for the last four years and i was almost 300 pounds after i got sober like that's a total addiction of mine too um, and I think a lot of listeners can, can relate because the flour that we eat, the food, the sugars that we eat, they are drugs. And can I get, get an amen? Amen. amen. <laughs> Krispy Kreme, we're talking to you, brother. Yeah. <laughs> anyway, you put a quarter in me on that stuff and I will go off because I had to lose, I had to lose a lot of weight after I got sober. I gained 90 pounds in five months because I switched from heroin and crack cocaine to sugar and to burritos at 3 a.m. And because I couldn't sleep, I mean, I was trying to get all my yeah. systems working again. And I turned to food and I just went, whoop, I just swelled right up. And ever since I've been trying to work on not the get skinny quick or these fad diets. Like I, I wanted to learn how to have a healthy relationship with food. And that process is still underway and I'm still like tightening those screws up. But, but That's yeah. your next book. 
<laughs> yeah. Totally. I, I think... I think you're right. That's totally going to be nice. Although, we have to share our new favorite book that kind of helps. It's along that realm. Okay, so it was your book, so you have it's to tell Dr. it. Dr. Gundry, The Plant Paradox and The Longevity Paradox. And I actually like The Longevity Paradox a little bit better than The Plant mm-hmm. Paradox. Yeah. The Plant Paradox was like his second book, and um, Longevity is his next one after that. But he is so good, and he's no zero sugar, um, no grains, tons of veggies, Um It'd be right up your alley. Yeah. It's pretty fascinating. It. He's okay. very, very fascinating. Very okay, sorry. We saw a bird, and we're back. Uh, so <laughs> that was a good bird. This is how we roll. That was a okay, really but good really quick, because you touched on it, and people, we're all about change, and people, I think, kind of go, right? Like, change is a, a topic we could go on for days. But you said at the beginning something about touching on, is there a way you explain how to do change? Is there an easier, easy way you want to explain it? How to do change? Um is it's not an event and it absolutely has to come from the individual who is driving the the ship or driving the the bus whatever you want to say and all too often we put a ton of external uh, forces in place thinking that that's going to change them put them in rehab or do an intervention give them a bunch of shameful letters and they're going to change and the thing is is they you might gain compliance for a period of time it's like having an employee that's struggling like you might get in compliance for a little while but change true change habits that's going to be a journey that requires some external uh fences and consequences for sure because in my experience it's discomfort and it's pain that and emptiness and loneliness and natural consequences that motivate me to do something different. Yeah. And it's got to come from me. And so the whole process of how do you try to change someone, well, you can't, but you can contribute to their change and you can do it in a way that's coming around side them and putting your arm around them and illuminating the path forward to what they can achieve and showing them that path but they're not going to even consider it unless there's that relationship right if they think you're an authority figure it's probably going to be dismissed or disregarded or discredited but uh, there's a ton of work that needs to happen before that step Um, and that's why I say it's going to be a a journey but it's a better event I love that journey versus an event just like becoming a Better yeah. human it's is a journey. It's and a full time job. Totally. Well, that's part time stuff. I love what you said, illuminating the path forward. That is, wow. That is love, love, love. So here's, I've got a couple more questions for you. Let me think where, which one I want to start with. I love your gratitude. Will you just talk for two seconds uh, on how you do gratitude yourself right now daily? What do you do to practice your gratitude? My morning routine, um, once I work through the fog and the cobwebs in my mind and brain, and I, I, I exercise every morning somehow, some way, just to, not for physical reasons, but it connects my mind. And I also suffer with, uh, I shouldn't say suffer anymore, but I have some other mental illnesses like uh, I have ADHD, and uh, so I'm treating that. Um, I have 
anxiety and I have depression. And so one of the things that helps me is getting up and moving my body and getting the natural endorphins and dopamine flowing and so that my mind can be sharp and I can feel better naturally. And when I'm out running like the first 20 minutes, I go through a gratitude list in a prayer. So I, I use that as a connection to my higher power, who I choose to call God. And and uh, and I do that connection through gratitude because I don't ever, I don't ever want to take for granted what I have today, because I've done that, and uh, and then I lost it, and it was really hard to go through that process of of uh, losing it all, and then uh, so I don't, I want to stay in that space, and I've been practicing that for. Um, over a decade now, and it really has served me well. I think I love what you're saying, cause I, and I'm a person who starts my day that way, but then I do it all day. So I'm an all-day kind of person uh, with the gratitude and the prayer. Uh, just because I don't, I don't want to take anything for granted. I don't want to lose anything per se, and so I feel like I have to keep it front and center and always be very, very um, grateful for it. I love what you said, though, that you have lost, and so you even know the importance. But I hope that people will, if they don't, if you don't have a gratitude strategy or a gratitude plan or way I hope that you'll find it because I do think it's very centering and grab and, and keeps you also um, not the what, what's the word not satisfied but you, you you feel like your life is enough and those around you instead of like you're always on the hunt and right it's never enough and never good enough but when you start having gratitude it's your you just feel more whole in my opinion totally which I love, love, love. So thanks for sharing that. How about, um, let's, let's leave with this question. What are your, you, you've been through so much and now you're on this better human just path of just so many good things, right? With your book and all the lives that you're touching. And I just love your hot dog stand and realizing that there is such a need that yes, you had to go through all of this. You actually talk about our friend, um, Victor Frankel. I call him our friend cause he kind of is yeah. right. Like, homies. Homies. Yeah. Yikes. And I love <laughs> what you said. Um, his quote, what is to give light must endure burning. Right. And so I do think I when I think of you, I think of light. Everything that you are doing right now is just you're shining your light and you're illuminating the path for so many others between your book and your recovery center. So just blessed. That's all all I have for you. With all of that said, what are your pillars of success or your foundation? If you had to list three things that you say, this is what's holding me and helping me do these things. What would be the three things? Yeah, that that is a, a Really, really powerful question and a simple one to answer for me. The uh, the most important is I've got to stay connected with my higher power because on my own I have learned that I feel empty, I feel lack of purpose, I feel lack of direction, and uh, I get really selfish in that as a downward spiral. I start to circle the drain. So staying connected with my higher power, and I do that through a lot of ways in the great outdoors and um, you know, services in church and services in um, Alcoholics Anonymous and whatnot. Uh, the the second thing would absolutely be my connection with myself and taking a pulse on a daily basis of what are the weeds that are cropping up every day. And I appreciate the compliments, by the way. I accept and receive those. Um. And I got to be careful about um, pride and ego and 
judgment of others and selfishness and impatience. Boy, as an entrepreneur, man, I get impatient because I want employees and <laughs> vendors and you want to go everybody <laughs> to operate at my pace. And my pace is wild. Like it's it's not just fast. It's just like I'm riding so many horses that they don't know which one I'm on in any given moment. So they're like, oh, we're jumping to that one now? Okay. You know, leave this one. And so being connected with myself um, is that process of doing a daily self-overhaul reflection and then um, walk, walking through the process of the 12 steps, which is, which is to pluck those weeds out on a daily basis with my higher power and becoming a better human every day, not just hoping for it, but really working on it. And I see, like, becoming aware of those weeds that crop up is the biggest thing. Most people are unaware. I was. Um Kind of so, sneak in there. Yes, they do, and it's quietly and baffling and powerful. Yeah, and then the third thing would be uh, connection with mankind and others, and making sure that I'm constantly seeking ways to smile at people, um, hold the door open for people, put the put the uh, shopping cart away instead of just leaving it in the parking lot. Like thinking about Isn't the, guy the that, littlest of things. Yeah. Just those those things. Picking up a cigarette butt because I've littered this planet in my addiction, and you know I pick I pick stuff up, and uh, that's my way of making things right with my fellow man and making things right with those that I've harmed and stay in that living a man's space. Oh, can I just clap? Like, oh right, you just like well done. Uh, Thanks for hanging with us today. Absolutely. I have loved every second. I, if I got quiet there for a little bit, it's because I was writing like a madwoman. Uh, I love all of this. All I have for you is love and just respect and everything that you're doing. This hunt for better human, this lighting the path, showing the way is just amazing to me. So thankful. Oh, thank you. For you. Oh, I just can't. So here's the deal. Check out his new book. Where can they find Unhooked? So hopefully in the in the show notes there'll be a link that um, it's unhooked dot uh, brickhouserecovery dot com or excuse me unhooked forward slash brickhouse recovery and we will put a link in right Cece yes yes we will let's do the link because I think it's dot anyway um, <laughs> get us close get <laughs> yes, us close we're getting close you know <laughs> but the, yeah that's and, and it's on Amazon too Kindle and uh, heart. Soft copy or on Amazon. Okay, I love it. So now you know where to get it. Thanks for being with us today. Just love, love, love. Thank you, and love you too. Appreciate our friendship, and thanks for endorsing the book. Uh, oh. Your words in there are, are, you know, they speak to my heart, and I really appreciate it. It was easy to do. Like I said, riveting story, ripped through it, and cannot wait to share it with so many others. Thanks. Thank you. So, do you want more? Do you want more? Do you want to keep getting better? Do you want to grow? Do you want to change? Do you want to have the life that you dream and imagine? Okay, here's what I want to make sure that I offer up to you. Head on over to rondaconger.com. Don't you dare put an H in that name. Don't you dare. R-O-N-D-A-C-O-N-G-E-R.com. And I hope that you'll dive into my three books. The first book I wrote was Better Human, It's a Full-Time Job, because I'm far from done. I'm a full-time job, but I want to be better. So that was my first book. The second one is Better Thinking, Think Better, Be Better. And that one's really just a fun kind of push you my 50 quotes. There's a great story behind it. I hope that you read it. I hope that you share it with others. And then the third one that I just wrote is You Go First, Become the Leader Your Team Needs. 
We need you. I love that you're listening. I love that you want to grow. I hope that you go out there and get more. Thanks so much. Wishing you the best day. Let's go.